Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Political State from the Oklahoman. I'm Ben Felder here in the Oklahoman's video studios and we are just a few days away from the big runoff elections across the state of Oklahoma. We've got the race for the GOP nominee for governor. We've got a series of legislative races, big questions on whether or not some incumbents are going to lose their seats. And we'll have all that coverage for you leading up to the election on Tuesday and on election night. But let's talk about what to expect and let's talk a little bit about uh, the big ticket uh, race on the ballot, and that is the, the GOP race for governor. Joining me in studio is the Oklahoma's Justin Wingeter. And Justin, uh, Mick Cornett, Kevin Stitt, the two uh, Republican nominees for governor that advanced past the primary, um, you know, they've been engaging in, in a handful of forums and traveling across the state. I want to ask you about one forum in particular. Last night, KOCO News, um, ABC affiliate, held a forum between the two candidates. And several minutes was devoted towards each candidate's kind of attack ads against the other. And it got a little feisty at times. Uh, you know, Stitt has uh, criticized Cornette of not being a true Trump backer. Uh, Cornette has accused Stitt of, um, you know, not properly running his mortgage company. Uh, did we learn anything yesterday or did we just see kind of the, the anger and the, the stress of a campaign in its final days kind of play out when both candidates are, are face to face? It was a good line of questioning, first of all. From yeah. The yeah, I was impressed. And, I mean, they held them to, to answer the questions about the attack ads. And this has been an issue. I mean, we've gotten kind of past the point where the campaign has gone on so long. You kind of get past the issues and the stump speeches just become repetitive. And you, you kind of mix it up a little bit. And we, attack ads in the last week or two are to be expected. And then if you're differentiating yourself from the other guy, I mean, you're showing maybe some things he did that, uh, you know, voters may not like, I think that's all fair play. So, but they did have to answer for their uh, their attack ads the other, uh, last night, I believe it was, and whether or not that was a, whether or not they crossed the line, whether or not children should <laughs> look up to them, or if that's how they should handle disputes. Uh, it was a tough line of questioning. And I, I think we learned, first of all, candidates had to think on their feet. I mean, they had to answer yeah. quickly. They had to defend their own actions. And kind of that unsavory action that you don't necessarily want to uh, talk about a lot, the negative attack ads. And yeah. I, I'm curious what you thought. I, it was an interesting back and forth. And it's it made sense, of course, that a, a dispute or a, a debate about attack ads would get kind of negative in itself. But Well, I enjoyed it because it had them both talking or addressing each other somewhat about the issues they're raising mm -hmm. you know, on the airways. I always get a little prickly about the whole idea of, of negative ads. I understand what, that, what the definition of that is, but kind of in the same way as a reporter when people talk about a positive news story or a negative news story. Right. I mean, it's all really in the eye of the beholder. and We don't walk around the newsroom with a checklist of saying, how many positive or negative stories do we have? <laughs> I think it's kind of the same way in politics, although I do know, you know, negative ads are the ones that are, you know, being critical of your opponent. But isn't that what we, I mean, we've heard these, as you said, we've heard both candidates kind of stumping for themselves. We know who they are. Yeah. Um, I think it's fair game for them to talk about the other one. So let's talk about some of those attacks that we've heard in some of the airways and, and, and last night. So against Stitt, I mean, Stitt has been running as this business owner, this outsider who wants to come in, run government as a business, one of the knocks against him that Cornette is making is that his uh, his mortgage company had got dinged by the federal government during during the mortgage crisis. I, I think those are fair questions to raise, don't you think? Oh yeah, and it's I mean, first of all, it's Cornette trying to take Stitt's best line of uh, you know personality building and turn it around on him. 
It's taking that businessman approach and saying, well, you ran a business that a lot of people don't like. And mortgage lending, not the most popular area yeah. of, of, uh, of industry. And so it's just turning it around and it's trying to use it against them. And it's specifically in connection with the, you know, the financial crisis, which hit so many people, obviously, across the country and in Oklahoma. And so any attempt to tie your opponent to that would be a pretty good line of, uh, of attack there if you're in politics. And so I think it's totally fair game to bring up, you know, his business. I mean, how honest those attacks were depend to, you know, depends on who you ask. But I think it was a pretty reasonable line of attack. I would, I mean, and it's 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 interesting. It's telling, I think, in a way that one line of attack you could use against Stitt is that he has no government experience, and you're going to take over a state, or you know, run the executive branch at least of a state having never done anything remotely like that, frankly. I mean, no, no experience in government. And yet that's not the line of attack because we've seen the outsiders win. The president is someone who had no mm -hmm. government experience. First president ever never to, you know, did not have any government or military experience before taking office. And so that's not the line of attack. It's, uh, it's actually something else. Go after the business that he ran. Yeah. Well, and I always think it's interesting when, when politicians say, you know, we need to run government like a business. Um, but here I would put this out there that, you know, a Stitt runs, a, you know, a mortgage company. You know, if he were to be hired to, let's say, run a chain of fast food restaurants, some may say, well, yes, maybe you were successful at running a mortgage company, but what do you know about running a chain of, a chain of fast food restaurants and vice versa? Yet everyone that's run a business feels like it's applicable to running government. So I always <laughs> right. think that's kind of interesting. But... I mean, you're right, he is running on this kind of outsider perspective. I imagine trying to run on the idea that I'm a business owner, I know what it takes to grow businesses, we wanna do that here uh, here in Oklahoma. It's probably a hard attack for him to really uh, say what he wants to say, because I imagine that when you have a large institution like that, and, and I kind of, when you read between the lines of some of the statements, it seems like, hey, this was a tough time for mortgages. A lot of the, you know, a lot of people were playing fast and loose, he's saying that wasn't us, but you know, you're dealing in so many interactions that you're going to have things that don't go well, that you're going to have bad yeah. mortgages. And that's just, you know, you try to correct them when you see them or you try to address the problem. You know, I would imagine that behind closed doors, a lot of people who run these mortgage companies would say, eh, it's kind of the cost of doing business. You just try to do as best you can. You can't really say that to the, to the <laughs> right. voters. You can't yeah. just say, well, every now and then you're going to have a bad, a, a bad mortgage. Just like, you know, if you run a fast food chain, you're going to say, well, hey, every now and then you're going to get the wrong order. You can't say that to the, to the customer. But yes, he's running on that outsider perspective. For Cornette, he's running on the uh, uh, leading the revitalization of Oklahoma City, which Stitt has attacked him on. Um, but he's also running as this kind of moderate. And now he hasn't used that word, but that's kind of been the banner he's waved most of his political career. And Stitt's saying, hey, a moderate doesn't cut it in Oklahoma. You've got to have the yeah. Trump tattoo on your forearm for us, to, you know, for us to back you. Are these criticisms fair, that he's not a big supporter of the Trump presidency? Oh, absolutely. I mean, and you heard Cornette say during that clip, if you get a chance to watch it online, the, the, the clip there where they're discussing the, uh, the, the ads, Cornette says the word conservative in reference to himself about 20 times, and he keeps bringing that up. He keeps uh, hammering that home, and because, of course, it's a Republican runoff. Um, and so he is trying to make that case. And, yeah, he, he has a more moderate approach uh, to government and that's been something that's helped him probably in Oklahoma City but is you know obviously in a Republican runoff could hurt him so you did see that quite a bit uh, at the debate last night and 
several debates, really, the last mm-hmm. couple of months. I mean, Stitt's been trying to make the case that uh, he's not conservative enough. He's not enough of a Trump supporter. And look, Cornette was pretty slow to come around to Trump to the extent that he's ever really come around to him. He's been critical of the president uh, before he was the mm-hmm. president, you know, right yeah. down the stretch there. And, and so, yeah, it's, it's absolutely a fair criticism. Yeah, I think some of the ads, maybe where, where it gets a little bit, you know, overboard is that, you know, trying to paint him as a defender of sanctuary cities yeah. or some of these other kind of liberal tropes that, I mean, there's no question. I mean, Cornette is not a liberal. I mean, yeah. he's not, you know, he's not, uh, you know, he's not, he's, I mean, I don't know, you can debate on whether or not he was a never Trumper. I don't know. I mean, he never used that, those words, but he was, you know, he's not a liberal. Right. And uh, I also don't think you can debate the fact, like you just said, that he was, quote, slow to come around on Trump. I mean, he had some pretty, for the time, critical things to say as a Republican. <laughs> I yeah, mean, absolutely. you know, these were some, you know, some, when you say, I'm, I'm not sure yet, when it's the at the nominating convention, you're saying, I'm not <laughs> sure if I can support this man. Yeah. That's a pretty big statement. There was one forum uh, that Cornette was on, or he at least was speaking to, to voters, and I, I, our Chris Castile got this video of him answering a question about Trump, and him... And uh, Cornette said that, you know, that he and his wife on election night, they left the election party when Trump became the winner because they, they wanted to come and, and process this interesting thing that had happened. And I feel like, <laughs> you know, that may be selling it, their feelings short a little bit. Yeah. But since then, he has come around and said that he supports um, the president. Um, is it enough just to say that you support the president? I mean, how much do you think voters are going to, how much do you think voters really care? I mean, I think they care about Trump. Republicans care about the president. In a state like Oklahoma, he has pretty good favorability so far with Republicans. Is this going to be an issue in the runoff, do you think? Yeah, I would think among a certain segment of the population, and that that is going to be the, you know, the segment more inclined to vote in a Republican runoff. And there are people, I mean, there are plenty of Republicans, and going to congressional town halls is probably where I see it more than anything else. There are a segment of... The, Republicans who believe Republican voters who believe that Republican elected officials are not supportive enough of the president, and mm-hmm. they they see you know Jeff Flake and they see Bob Corker and others in Congress uh, criticize the president pretty openly. Republicans, even pretty conservative Republicans, criticizing the president, and that reinforces their desire to see their own elected officials be very openly pro-Trump. Um, it's not, of course, every Republican voter. It may not even be a majority, but there are quite a few out there who want to see open displays of pro-Trump, uh, you know, feelings. And so, yeah, I think those sort of people are going to want that from the governor. And obviously, one of the t- two candidates, Stitt, has been much more open in his support of Donald Trump. And so that, yeah, I, I do think that's going to play with the segment of the population. I, I don't know what the number is on how many people that is, and but it, it that, that segment is out there, certainly. Well, Trump right now is a litmus test on almost every election that's taking place across the country. So it's hard to imagine that that wouldn't be the case somewhat here in Oklahoma. <laughs> yeah. You know, maybe, you know, this, you're running for governor, you're not running for federal office, so maybe you don't have to answer to some of those questions as much. But I have to think it's going to be a factor. Now, you know, you know, the old Reagan saying, do no harm to fellow Republicans or say no- nothing bad about Republicans is now say nothing bad about Trump. However, to transition here a little bit, maybe we're hearing from some Republican leaders that it is okay to say things that are bad <laughs> about Trump. Specifically, um, Congressman Cole quoted in the New York Times yesterday after kind of a bombshell of a day, or at least that was two days ago, I guess, seems yeah. like forever now, the, uh, <laughs> the uh, uh, news of, of Paul Manafort and um, as, uh, Trump's former attorney, um, Cohen, uh, 
you know, Cole saying that, hey, if you're a Republican running for office in a district where you feel like you have to say something bad about Trump, then maybe you should go ahead and say something bad about Trump right now. Yeah, what, pretty what, much. I was, I, mean, I, I was surprised to see that. It's a little surprising. Um, you have to understand if, as it's political strategy from a longtime political strategist in Tom Cole. Um, he's not saying that necessarily he opposes Trump. He's saying that if you are in a district that either maybe went for Hillary Clinton, but you're still a Republican congressman representing that district, or it's a district that's swinging to the left, that you know, you're know you in some serious trouble, you're a moderate Republican, or just in a moderate district, and you're a little worried, go ahead and speak out and criticize the president. Interesting enough, we've seen this on the other side from Nancy Pelosi. Nancy Pelosi has told Democrats, mm-hmm. if you need to criticize me, you need to bash me, go for it. I can take it. I've been there. Um, if that's what you need to do to get either reelected or elected for the first time in a Republican seat, go for it. I mean, she's kind of given Democrats that option. I'm not going to hold you, hold it, uh, hold you against or hold it against you. Uh, Cole's kind of saying that to Republicans here, although he doesn't have the authority. Uh, I mean, he's not speaking for Trump here, but he is saying that if you're a Republican and you need to criticize the president, do so, or at least don't jump out there and immediately defend him because we don't know what's going to come. Yeah. And uh, that, yeah. that's, uh, I'll just read the quote if that's okay, yeah, go because for it. I don't want to misquote the congressman here. Quote, anybody who says this is not disturbing is not being honest. He's referring to investigations mm-hmm. into the president and those close to the president. So my advice to any candidate would be keep your powder dry, don't rush to attack or defend anybody because you don't know enough to have a reaction that you can still defend three months from now. And Mm -hmm. I might say three weeks from now. I mean, things change so quickly right now in Washington. In other words, don't say definitively that the president or someone around the president hasn't done this wrong or that wrong. These investigations are still ongoing. Be very careful and be able to be general enough that you can you know, still defend yourself three three months from now, as he puts it, and three months from now, of course, being November mm-hmm. when we have elections. So, uh, yeah, I think he's just kind of giving Republicans some more options. I don't know if the president agrees with them here, who because the president does not take criticism all that well, especially from fellow Republicans, the way maybe Pelosi does from Democrats. So I don't know if uh, the president would agree here, but Cole at least is saying if you have to be critical or at least not immediately defend everything the president does, that's okay. We need you to come back to Washington after November or after January, get elected, get reelected, uh, do what you need to do yeah. to, to make that happen. Well, you know, I'm no psychic and I don't know the president. He doesn't strike me as someone who's necessarily on board with the idea of, hey, say whatever you need to say about <laughs> right. me. I can take yeah. it. Um, but I, you know, what's interesting about Cole's statement there, I mean, there's a difference between between saying, this is disturbing, and then asking that rhetorical question, you know, is it disturbing? Well, it's hard to say it's not. I mean, so there is a little bit of a difference. He's kind of, you know, putting his, his foot in the water. And I know you're saying he doesn't speak for the party, and it's not like he's, you know, sending up some bat signal for Republicans. Um, but in a state like Oklahoma, I mean, that is an interesting thing for a congressman to say. And I don't think Cole's worried about his, you know, favorability amongst voters. Um, he's pretty much locked that down in a, in a lot of ways. Um, but I think it's telling from one of the most conservative states, which is one reason why the New York Times probably led with that quote, mm-hmm. that you have, you know, one of your, one of the congressmen saying, you know, this is kind of disturbing and it's hard to really say where this is going to go. Yeah, and Cole has, Cole has said similar things before. In fact, he said them about his own district. He said, he's been asked about Trump before and he said that 
my district is, you know, whatever percent for Trump. It's an, he always cites an overwhelming number. And he, he makes the point that, you know, my district wants me to come out here. The people who sent me here want me to be supportive of the president in almost all cases. And therefore, that's what I am. I'm representing my district when I do that. He's making a similar argument here in that represent your district. If, even if you're just running to represent your district, do so now. If it's a very, if it's a district that's either a Democratic district or kind of in the middle, and you, it's it's a little skeptical of Trump, you can be skeptical of Trump. It's okay. Yeah. Um, don't feel like you have to rush out and defend the president or attack the president's critics. Go ahead and and if you need to kind of be quiet about it for a while, that's okay. If you're running in a district where that makes sense, so he would say his district is pretty overwhelmingly Trump. He'd be right about that. And he would say that he is going to be supportive of the president for that reason. Yeah. Again, you have to think of it, I mean, the way Cole is thinking of it is political strategy here. He's mm-hmm. not strictly thinking about policy or whether or not he agrees or people should yeah. agree with the president on all these issues. He just He's thinking as a political strategist does in terms of getting elected in November because he's been there. He's, he's run the NRCC. I mean, he's run things that... Uh, you know, groups that try to get Republicans elected uh, specifically in the House. And so that's what he's, he's just just advising candidates at this point. Yeah. Maybe the only candidate or the only congressman in Oklahoma that probably has to really consider that might be Steve Russell, uh, the 5th District. Um, You know, this is a, a, however you call it, it is is a conservative, it's a red district. It's somewhat solid, although there's, we've talked many times in this episode of how solid will it be come November. you know, maybe it's he probably would say it's you know, he's not thinking about this, and you know what? I probably Congressman Russell really isn't. I mean, given what I kind of know about the guy, but if you're a political strategist for him, I mean, how what are you thinking when you're when you're starting to think about the fact that we don't know where this where these Trump investigations are going? They seem to have entered a new level. Um, come November, we may we're probably going to be going up against a a, a somewhat formidable, you know, Democratic uh, challenger who's going to have money. Um, you know, who may appeal to suburban women, which is an important demographic. I mean, what are you thinking if you're, you know, in the Russell camp right now? The, as we were just talking about being as, for lack of a better word, as Trumpy as your district, you know, as Trump supporting as your district is, I think Russell probably fits that mold pretty well. He has been supportive of Trump, and the district did go for Trump by a, a narrow margin, but he's also been kind of wishy-washy. I mean, he's been kind of critical of the president at times. Obviously, he doesn't like the demeanor and the, you know, that sort of bombastic approach that the president has. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he has been critical there. He has commented uh, recently on the Mueller investigation, which Cole would kind of uh, recommend not doing, if I understand his yeah. quote correctly here. Uh, he has been criti- I mean, he's been suggestive that uh, Mueller and team should kind of wrap things up. That they, it's been going on a while. They should wrap things up. Um, so that is interesting. That's about the extent of his comments on the investigation. So, of course, until you have results from the investigation, I mean, a, a final result, a final conclusion. I don't know that it matters too much what he has set up in that approach up until then. I mean, Bob Mueller is not listening to, to the congressman here, mm-hmm. so I, I don't know to what extent uh, that really factors in. But I would say Russell's pretty on par with his district 
when it comes to Trump. Um, Kendra Horn and, and Camp would disagree with me on that. They would say he's uh, too conservative. And he, we, we've talked before that he, he's quite conservative for a district that's trending Democratic. And yeah. Horn, of course, would try to use that against him and will try to use it against, yeah. against him if she wins on Tuesday. Well, isn't this, I mean, if we, but, but this news is good for Horn, I would say, because, I mean, because not, well, she's running as a Democrat, so of course it's good, you know, the Democrats are going to yeah, say this is good news absolutely. for us. But it, I think, you know, Democrats have kind of been in a tough spot, especially in districts like Oklahoma City and maybe some more moderate districts where they're trying to be competitive, where you have to walk a fine line when you're going to bash Trump because you still have a lot of people say, listen, I know he's not everyone's favorite guy, but, you know, I'm a Republican, I support him. Yeah. I haven't seen anything that makes me think it's a deal breaker yet. Um, I think the risk for Democrats was, if you know, as of last week, the risk was that we go into November and nothing really new comes out. That it, the, the same, you know, the battle lines are the same as they were. There's no new things from the investigation. Democrats are probably going to want some more, you know, meat on the bones to be able to clearly say, listen, I'm saying that if I was elected, I may vote for impeachment because now we have actual things on the table that that warrant that that conversation. Yeah, I, I would just imagine Horn going into November. Um, it's you know. I would be interested to see how, how aggressive she would be in, in, in calling out the president. How aggressive has she been so far up to this point? Um, she's been much more critical of the congressman, of Russell, which obviously she's running against him. That made mm -hmm. sense. Um, she's not brought up Trump a whole lot. She kind of brought up the people around him. I mean, Betsy DeVos comes up a lot for education, mm -hmm. obviously, and things like that. Uh, so there, there are examples like that. She's not one to bring up the investigation, at least in the public events I go to. Uh, she's not one to bring up even Trump's name all that often. She still is very much on policy. Healthcare and education dominate a lot of what she talks about. Um, that will change a little bit. I think she will get bringing up the president more and more, but she's doing it very gingerly, no doubt about that. Um, yeah. She is not someone who wants to bring up the I word. Mm -hmm. She would not want that word to come up she would prefer it probably not come up between now and the election. Well, then maybe she's not appreciative of this news. Maybe she doesn't want to see this go forward. Because oh, it's always good news. I think, well, it is, but I, I mean, if some other bombshell comes out next, I mean, once again, I mean, I think I'll agree. We've entered a new level on this investigation, and if it continues to progress in that way to where you are kind of forced to talk about impeachment. I mean, I think it, I'm not saying that I'm not, I'm not putting an impeachment on the table. I'm saying last week, I think a lot of Democrats were able to say, way too early to talk about impeachment. Let's see where this investigation goes. Yeah. I think you can still say that, but now you have a little bit, like I said, more meat on the bones to say, well, you know, was, were there, was there any criminal misconduct um, committed by the president? Um, you know, so if you are a Democrat trying to be competitive in a moderate or conservative district, you're right. You don't want to talk about impeachment. I wonder if she could be forced to do so. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, I think you talk around the issue. You bring up corruption within the administration, mm -hmm. or you talk about it in kind of general terms. Uh, you know, uh, problems within the Republican Party, this and that. But I don't think you want to bring up the I word. You run the risk of a backlash where Republicans come out in mass yeah. and say, we cannot allow, you know, even if I disagree with Trump, he doesn't deserve to be impeached. We have to keep Russell in there as a safeguard against impeachment. And you, I mean, you've seen some Republicans, even in special elections, argue that do not elect the Democrat or you do run the risk of impeachment. We have to keep the president in there. And uh, so I, that could come up if if the Democratic nominee in the 5th District brought up impeachment, then you'd have a backlash. And uh, Russell would love to, to seize on that, I yeah. think. Absolutely. So maybe this news is good for Russell because he has been critical of the president and maybe in some ways that has caused 
Trump supporters in his district to cringe a little bit, but he can probably go into November, unless something changes, saying, listen, I'm not voting for impeachment. She is. And that's the big difference right here. Um, well, I keep saying she is. That is, if she makes it past the runoff, she's expected to do so. As we wrap up, let's, let's talk about the runoff a little bit. Fifth District Democrats have a runoff on Tuesday. Right. Uh, we're expecting Horn to probably emerge from that, right? Well, I mean, she certainly uh, you know, got far more votes in the primary, the, the June primary. Uh, she would seem to be the front runner by all accounts, certainly uh, going up against Tom Guild, a uh, guy who knows this district very well. He's been around for knows, a while, yeah. And uh, uh, did come in second in the, in the June primary, and we'll, we'll see. I was out with both candidates this week. Um, I would say Guild's uh, focused more on the runoff well, I don't want to be unfair. They're both focused on the runoff. Guild's focused on Horn. He's uh, critical of Horn. Mm-hmm. Horn is critical of Russell. Ru- yeah. I mean, she is looking at the general election. And, and uh, I mean, she's clearly the front runner at this point. So running like the nominee. Makes sense. Yeah, I'm running like to. the nominee. It avoids her, you know, getting down. In, as we talked, we started the show with attack ads. It avoids you getting into that kind of attacking a fellow Democrat that you're going to need all the Democratic votes you can get in November, plus some. And so she will... Um, She's very focused on Russell right now, uh, critical of him on a number of issues, education being uh, probably one of her top issues, that and health care. And, and really, and, and Guild and her both are on those two issues. They don't disagree all that much on policy. There are some areas, or some, and health care is one of them. But they're talking about many of the same issues on the campaign trail in their own different ways. But um, yeah, I mean, health care and education really dominant issues for both of those two as I saw them on the campaign trail just this week. So. Yeah, well, we'll be watching for that and many other races on Tuesday night. Hey, the Oklahomans got you covered on the run-up to the election, not only in every edition of the Oklahoma Moving Forward here. We'll have an election night show with live results next Tuesday. And then, of course, next week here on Political State, we'll break down everything that we saw. Hey, we referenced a couple of uh, things in today's show, the KOCO debate. We'll put a link to that at News OK, where you can find this episode, as well as the New York Times article that uh, quoted Representative Cole. Well, that's going to do it for this week's episode. Join us next week. Once again, it'll be after the runoff, and we'll break down what we saw. With Justin, I'm Ben with The Oklahoman. Thanks for watching. We'll see you next week for another episode of Political State.